Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military to Millionaire. Just got done recording an episode with Nick Breffitt, a Air Force pilot, gone reserves, does spec homes and flip flipping houses. Uh, super cool episode. I learned a little bit about spec homes. I think you will too. And he gives some really good advice. So if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. If not, welcome back. Show notes are found at frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey guys, on this podcast, we talk a lot about the roadblock to success for military members in getting started in real estate investing. For many of us, the barriers of time, location, and not having the right knowledge keep us from building wealth while serving our country. Well, let me tell you about Storehouse 310 Ventures. They get it. Storehouse 310 Ventures is owned by two active duty naval officers that love to make investing fun, lucrative, and have a passion for education, theirs and yours alike. They offer full turnkey rental properties in a market where the numbers make sense, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, Milwaukee, home to the almost 2018 division titled Milwaukee Brewers, the well-known Miller Brewing Company, and a lot of delicious cheese. Storehouse 310's properties are fully renovated, leased, and have property management in place. Through their rigorous analysis and selection process, they do everything possible to ensure each rental property meets their high standards and offers fantastic returns. Storehouse 310's allows you to invest with confidence while you are living out of state. They have a network of lenders, insurance companies, contractors, a title company, and much more to serve you all along the way. There is absolutely no reason not to get started when you have the right teams and system in place. David and Stu, the owners of Storehouse 310, have been investing themselves for over 15 years. They are on a mission to help as many active duty, reserves, and military veterans create financial freedom through the power of real estate investing. They are honest, transparent, and they prioritize service and giving. They have even committed to give the first 10% of their profits to partner nonprofit organizations that support veteran causes. For more information about their program, send an email to podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Again, that is podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Tell David and Stu you heard about them through the Military Millionaire Podcast, and they will get you going down the right path. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military to Millionaire, and I'm here with Nick Breffitt, who was a, uh, he did, what, 13 years in the Air Force as a fighter pilot, and has gotten out and done some uh, some spec homes, some house flipping, and just having some fun out in Florida. So just wanted to welcome him to the show, and, you know, Nick, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Dave, uh, thanks for that, and uh, and first of all, thanks for what you do, man. I, I think it's really awesome that uh, that you're putting yourself out there to help uh, to help out all the all these military guys to let them know exactly what what is available to them um, as they as they transition out or not even as they transition out while they're in uh, in the military and then later on when they inevitably do get out of the, out of the military uh, everything that they can do so I really appreciate you doing that um, but uh, but for me uh, like Dave said I'm a or like you said there Dave I'm a I'm an Air Force guy. I graduated from the Air Force Academy in 2003. I went to pilot training and then uh, and and flew fighters uh, with the Air Force for 13 years. Uh, I was uh, all over the states. My first assignment was in uh, at Eglin Air Force Base in the Panhandle of Florida. Uh, then I went to be uh, actually I was an ALO working with the Army for about three years, and I went to uh, station at Fort Hood. I uh, lived in Georgetown for a bit. 
um, which is just north of Austin. And then, uh, and then after that, I went uh, to Kadena Air Base in Japan, which is on the island of Okinawa there. And, uh, and I finished out my active duty Air Force career there, uh, flying F-15s again. Um, <clears throat> so at the end of the assignment uh, uh, in Japan, I was coming up on the end of my, my commitment, which is, you know, 10 years after pilot training. Um, and so I was coming up on the end of that and, you know, just ask myself, like, Hey, do, do I want to stay in the military and do this, uh, potentially get, you know, a, a one year unaccompanied tour, you know, to Korea or something like that. Um, you know, be separated, you know, keep moving with the family or don't want to get out and, and start something new. Uh, you know, so it took a lot of soul searching, uh, a lot, a lot of talks with my wife and, uh, and we decided to get out and, and start a business. Um, you know, there are some other things that I could have done as well. You know, being a pilot, I could always go to the airlines, of course. Uh, but, uh, but, but again, it's not something I really wanted to do. Um, we kind uh, well, so, so back this up a bit. You know, I, I kind of grew up, uh, in, in the real estate business. My dad's a GC. And so, you know, I would go to, go to different jobs with him all the time and, and do some work and, uh, and, and just, just learn a bunch with him. <laughs> And, uh, and moving on a little bit, uh, so we bought our first house when we moved to uh, to Eglin at, at my first assignment there, and that was right at the height of of, uh, of the market. So, so the end of two thousand six is when we is when we bought that house. Perfect timing. Perfect timing, right? Uh, so, so at the end of that assignment in uh, in '09, when we when we were looking to move. We, we could either sell the house and I could come to closing with about 50 grand, which I didn't have at the time, or I could keep it and rent it. Uh, and, and we were lucky enough that uh, uh, it is a great area for, for, that, uh, for that type of home um, or for that type of investment. So we have uh, Eglin right there, We've got Duke Fields uh, right there as well. And then, uh, and then, um, and then Hurlburt, uh, uh, all in that same area. So there's a ton of people that are always moving in and out of there. So, so luckily we never had a, have never had a problem running that home. Um, but, uh, so we, so we had that house when we moved to Georgetown on uh, Texas there, we, uh, we bought a home. Uh, it was a foreclosure, but it was actually in great shape. Uh, so we, so we got into that house, we fixed it up a bit and we lived in that for three years. Uh, and then at the end of that assignment, again, we're, we're looking to move to Japan, um, and we decided to keep that house and rent it out as well. <clears throat> and of course, in Japan, we don't we didn't buy anything there, so uh, we just lived on base. Uh, but but during this whole time, um, and and this is kind of kind of what I really want to talk about is uh, uh, I got married right out of the academy, and a kind of funny story you know, before we, before we got married, you know, my wife's asking me, so, so how much are you going to make as a lieutenant? I'm like, Oh, about 3,000, 3,200 bucks, something like that, you know? And, and she's like, okay, great. And, uh, and of course, you know, when I graduate, we get married, we move out, uh, we moved to a place, um, and I had my first assignment there for pilot training, you know, paying all the bills. And after all the bills are paid, she's like, so, so where's all this money you said you were making? I'm like, well, it's, it's in all these bills. <laughs> so, um, so she kind of took, uh, she kind of took that and said, well, I think, I think I'm going to start working <laughs> so, just so we can have a little bit of a little bit of extra cash, you know, and, and she's super smart. And, and she, uh, 
and she took that and said, okay, so what, what can I do? Um, that, that's going to be competitive everywhere, wherever we go. And, 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 you know, she took a look and she went, um, and, and she went to nursing school actually the, um, while I was at pilot training and it took her about a year, which is about as long as pilot training is. And, and she, she came out with her nursing degree, which was awesome. Yeah. And so when we moved to Texas, uh, that's all she did. She, she worked, uh, uh, at, at, different hospitals uh, and uh, in different clinics or whatever. And just, just to help supplement, uh, supplement our income. Um, after, uh, after a little bit, you know, she, she got tired of doing that, you know, just being on her feet. And, um, and she decided to open up her own business uh, of doing, uh, doing beach weddings uh, down uh, over here in the Panhandle area uh, uh, near uh, Panama city and uh, the Destin area of Florida. And, uh, and she's been doing that ever since. And, and that's, uh, that's been about uh, 14 years now that she's been in that business. Um, and she's super great at it. And, uh, and there, there have been years where she's made more money than I have, which is super great. Uh, and I'm super proud of her for doing that. Um, but, uh, but like, um, so, so, so I say all that because what I was able to do or what we were able to do is, uh, you know, with my income, you know, I'm paying off all the bills, like the house, you know, the cell phones, the cars, all that, all that stuff. And maybe going out some entertainment. Um, but every, uh, almost all of the money that she made in her business, we used as, uh, as investment money. And so we would go and we'd buy, uh, buy a, a, a rental somewhere, you know, fix it up and, um, and, and rent it out. And so we did that uh, for, for years and years uh, until uh, until we got to you know towards the end of the assignment at Kadena, and um, and so so at the end um, at the end of that assignment when when I decided to get out, uh, decided to start a business in real estate. But you know we need some capital for that, right? And so what we ended up doing was was liquidating most of the properties that we had um, to, to pull all that cash out, and, um, and so that we can. Uh, invest into uh, into my business, and so um, and so once I got out, started the business. Um, the business was mainly uh, building spec homes um, to start, and uh, and a spec home is uh, just for your listeners out there. Um, you basically have two types of homes that you build or, or a contractor builds uh, one for an owner or one that's a, a spec or speculation. So, um, so if you're building for an owner, you know, somebody comes to you and says, Hey, uh, I'd like you to build me a house and you, you go under contract and they get all the money for you. And at the end, uh, once you get that certificate of occupancy, uh, then you hand over the house uh, to, to the, to the new owner. When you're building a spec home, it's a little bit different, a little bit, a little bit more risky, I would say. Uh, but uh, but what you're doing is, as a contractor, I'm going in, I'm finding a lot, I am uh, designing a house, and 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 I build it with my own money or or money that I find with other investors. Uh, and then once I get the certificate of occupancy, then then I throw it uh, throw it on the market for sale, and then hope I get uh, hope I get a buyer. But that's uh, that's spec home. So I started doing that, and then uh, it, uh, Dave, I was telling you earlier that the the market right now is is, is really good for for contractors, uh, pretty much for everybody. Um, but what that means is that the uh, the cost of land 
is, uh, is, is also going up. And so when we were looking at, at new properties, uh, it was just getting tougher and tougher to, uh, to make an offer and, and build a home uh, over that six months and make anywhere more than, you know, 10 or 20 grand. And, and you know, over that six months, that, that's kind of hard to do. A um, li li little bit riskier. Uh, it doesn't give a lot of room for the market to change or, or the price of the homes to go down or anything like that. So, so we decided to move on at that point to go to uh, and start doing some flips. And we've been doing that ever since. <clears throat> That's cool. This teaches me to tell you what my first question is going to be. You went ahead and answered it already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him right that. before we started recording, I was like, I'll, I'll make sure that I ask as soon as you're done telling your story. Uh, more about, <laughs> I know it's not a very common investment strategy. And you already answered that question, so now I got to figure it out. Uh, okay, so you, you did some spec homes. I like the fact that you mentioned that A, you guys were able to save essentially half your income, which is huge. Uh, you know, that's something that, well, hopefully we'll be able to do here in San Diego. We were doing it in Hawaii, uh, but you know, when you move, your finances get like thrown up in the air for a month or two. So I'm waiting on it all to settle and all my new allowances to come to fruition. So I know what I'm actually making here, but uh, that's a huge, huge force multiplier when you can put an entire income salary, you know, whether it's salary or even if it's just a dollar, you know, an hourly wage, a couple bucks here and there. I mean, it adds up quickly. And then you basically went all in, you burned the ships, you got out of the military, sold everything you owned asset wise and jumped in on spec homes and then house flipping. And it sounds like you're doing quite well with the house flipping. You did well in spec homes. Uh, I'd be curious to hear. So I know, you know, they're, they're both active sources of income, right? Both flipping and spec homes and assuming the margins were all right. I'd be curious to hear like which you would prefer to do and, and why like was one more fun was one more profitable what are some of the pros and cons between the the two that you've dabbled with hmm that's a good question uh i i like doing both uh both are, are a lot of fun and both absolutely have their have their challenges right um what would i prefer if 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 ever if all else being equal the money's all the same everything i think i would prefer doing flips uh, the, the reason for that is because I, I love the, you know, intrinsically, I, I love going into a neighborhood and seeing this, this huge eyesore, you know, that, that, that all the neighbors are passing by going, man, they need to tear that down. And, uh, I love going in there and, and fixing it. And, and then, uh, once everything is all done, uh, watching people go in for an open house and going, wow, this is great. This is fantastic. And, and even beyond that, uh, when, when somebody does finally uh, buy that property, um, that, that they go in there and they're, they're living in that house and, and they're building, uh, building a life for themselves in, 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 in something that, that, that I created basically. And so I, I love doing that. And, um, you know, in, in spec home, uh, building homes is, is almost the same thing. I mean, you're taking a, an empty lot with a bunch of trees or bushes or whatever. And, and, um, uh, and you're building a house on it and the same thing, you know, somebody's going to live in that and build life and, you know, have kids and, and uh, make a family and all that. And it's, and that, that to me is, is really, really cool. So house flipping is also Insta sexy. Everybody likes to post before and after pictures of their flip and pretend that the oh, yeah. whole middle part was just wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I got a picture uh, yesterday. I got a buddy. Uh, so I, well, I won't shout out the name, but, uh, 
bought a house the other day, you know, flipping a house in Oahu and he posted a picture today and it was a hoarder house, obviously, but a full 40 foot dumpster totally filled to the brim. He's owned this thing for like two days and then like no room to walk in the yard around it and hallways still packed, you know, still stacked like chest high. And he was like, yep, going to need another dumpster. And like, holy smokes. Like it looked bad, but it did not look that bad. Um, and so, you know, I've had some not as fun experiences and some fun experience with, with uh, flips and stuff. So it's definitely challenging, but I, I definitely, you know, as much as everyone jokes about the before and after pictures, I, I really think that is fun to see, you know, a house that's 60, 70, a hundred years old crumbling that someone already lived a full life in and to turn it into something else that somebody else gets to live a full life in, which is just really cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree totally. And, um, the other thing I was thinking about as well with the flips is the, is the time frame that goes along with it. Right. So, so, so when you're doing a spec home and you, you, you buy a property, you know, you're spending one to two months on plans, getting it engineered and, and everybody's busy right now. So, so you hand, you hand a packet to an engineer and he goes, all right, it's going to be four to six weeks, you know, and, and then you're, you're just, uh, you're taking all this time. And once you finally start, then even then it's four to six months, you know, depending on the size of the home uh, until you're starting. But, uh, but with the flip, I mean, you can walk in there and uh, you know, demo it in a few days. I mean, you, you can get it down to the stud if you need to even, and, and then, and then build it back up in a matter of a month or two. And, uh, and one good thing that does for you. So, um, so today's August 14th for all your listeners, but, uh, but today was a really bad day in the markets, right? Mm. And so that's, that's one thing we always like to take a look at. But uh, uh, but if you're doing a spec home, you know that that time frame is always much shorter, and it and it doesn't allow the market to, to go to go absolutely nuts, you know, while you're uh, while you're doing that uh, versus versus a spec home if you're taking six months, and you hit like right right the uh, right at the front end of a uh, of a market crash or something, then you might you might be losing some money. And I think that's how got people got into trouble in that last uh, market downturn as well. Yeah, there were definitely some builders that lost their shirts. In fact, I was talking to someone on the show a couple weeks ago and essentially that's how she started. She got in with some builders and some developers and this, that, the other, and watched them all burn. Uh, like she was in it for, I think it was like less than six months when the market just started going south and all these guys got caught just were halfway through a development and now what? Um, which is rough. So I think that's another, yeah, the time, the time issue, I think is, I, I would imagine that I wouldn't say, I, you know, I don't know though. I would be curious on the scalability, right? Cause these guys who build entire neighborhoods and you know, the full development subdivision, I would imagine that once you get to that level, it's almost faster to do the spec home maybe because it's, you know, you can only find and find and flip so many houses at a time. Whereas if you're doing that, you can like, pay for a bigger crew and all the design can be done at once. And I wonder at what scale does it, does the time thing kind of catch up would be a curious, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not there yet. You know, I, I don't have the crews or the resources to, you know, to, to do any of that. So hopefully I can answer that question someday. Yeah, but, we, both, uh, we both got to get to where we're trying to do 50, 50 flips and spec homes in a couple months and try to see which one takes longer. Make yep. it a reality show. 
All right, let's do it. Let's meet back up here in about a year and, and let, let each other know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, I don't know that this is right when I want to be buying spec homes at all. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on your market, right? So in, sure. in, in it all depends. You know, I buy my patch of land for $4,000, $5,000, maybe $7,000, $8,000, and it, the market tanks, and I lose like $2,000 land value. Yeah. So that's a little different than – you buy an acre in Hawaii for a million dollars and the market tanks. <laughs> so, so it's a whole different world. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Well, that, that's one thing. That's one reason why we chose Jacksonville as well for the business, because, uh, you know, if, if the market does ever, ever tank really bad, then, uh, I, I think we'd be fairly safe because, uh, home values out of out the beach, you know, near, near the beach, I'll always go back up uh, a little bit quicker than, uh, than, than other homes. What we found anyway. So, so there's something to think about for anybody else that's out there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons to both. I think the spec home world is cool though, because you get to, I don't know, that's, that's part of the risk though, right? You got guys who build spec homes and they look like, you know, your typical home in the area. You got guys who build spec homes and they're <laughs> quite extravagant and super like maybe a super modern design and there's some really cool ones out there and you're like, Hmm, that's really cool. But I really hope the right buyer comes by because otherwise you're stuck with it. Um, yep. So. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, we try to watch a lot of HGTV just to make sure that we're doing all the right things, you know, <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> all the right finishes. Didn't you know that they show everything on that show? <laughs> Knock out a whole property in a week. Instagram is good for that as well. <laughs> yeah, you're right, right? Like, oh, I'll post this before picture, but I'll do it the week before I post the after picture just so it looks like I was really busy, but I sat on the house for nine months. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or or this is the one I went really good on, not the one that took me seven months and I made $1,000. So I was talking to someone the other day who made like four grand on a flip. I was super mad. And I was like, well, I mean, at least you still made four grand. Now I'm like, man, if I only make 4000 on a flip, I totally understand why they're upset. But it's all perspective. Yeah. So what do you think the future looks like? You know, you What's, bring that up. Oh, but I'm sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, you bring that up, but uh, one thing I forgot to mention is uh, um, it, when I got out and uh, you know created this business, uh, I, I think I heard in one of your podcasts, uh, she was an agent, I forget her name, but, uh, but she said the same thing. She, she made her first purchase or sale and she's paying all this money towards these, uh, to the agents, right? Um, and so, so one, another thing that my wife did is she went out and she got her uh, her real estate license. And now she's, she's my realtor, uh, which again helps out a ton because she's making money on the front and it's almost like cash back on a deal. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then again on the back end, she's making another two and a half to 3%. So, so, so that, that, that's another huge, huge thing that, uh, uh, that she's done for, uh, for us and, and for my business as well. So. Yeah. It's a definite bonus to not have to, pay your own commission when you're selling. I mean, if you're flipping and you sell quite a few houses in a year, so it adds up quick. Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. So as I was rudely asking while you were trying to talk, uh, what are, what does the future look like for you guys? Like what are the, what are the plans with this going forward? If you thought that far out. So, so one thing we, that we've tried to do is, 
uh, is use our own money, you know, and, and, uh, and there are some challenges with that too. But, uh, um, so, so we're, we were able to, to liquidate all those properties, like I told you about before and, and, and come out with, with a bunch of cash that we can use to, uh, to build all these homes. Uh, the, the, the problem with that is, is, is growth is a little bit slower, but, uh, but, but to answer your question, uh, my plan is, is to grow and, and I would love to do about, uh, you know, 20 to 30 homes, uh, a, a year. Um, so, so that would be probably about two homes a month, right. Uh, in, in flips. Uh, and, and that's where I would love to be. Um, you know, and, and that would allow me to, you know, to, 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 to get a staff, to get a, uh, a, a project manager that, that I could have, uh, uh, th that can go out and do uh, some of these things that I do on, you know, on a daily basis right now. Uh, so that would give me the time uh, to, you know, do the things that I want to do in life, like travel around with the kids and, and my wife and, um, and, and just to have fun, you know, instead of work all the time. But, but that, that's about uh, kind of where I'd like to be. You bring up a really interesting point there and you said it and you know, to you, it's an easy point and to a lot of people, it makes sense, but a lot of people would never think this way. And that's that you said, I want to scale to 20 or 30 flips a year so that I have more time. And I think that's huge. So I was listening to, I don't know if you know who Bill Allen is. Um, so he's, a uh, he's a pretty big, I mean, he's, he runs, uh, I think he just took over house flipping HQ and severed seven figure flippers or whatever. So he's, he's a big house flipper. He's a Navy pilot. I can't remember what his aircraft was, but I, he's a Navy pilot. He's in the reserves right now. Um, and he scaled, I mean, he's doing, I want to say he's like around 200 houses a year, something over the last few years. Yeah. And he just released a podcast was well, a two part podcast. Cause they talked forever, but he released a podcast like two days ago, three days ago with his COO, basically talking about how bill is able to do X number of flips and only work like three hours a week, which is just mind boggling wow. okay. about it. And then you realize, well, yeah, he's got like a staff of 15 people and he's got a operations officer and a finance officer and contractors and systems. And, and that's so the, I like that you're already thinking that way because so many people would see, Oh man, it took this much work to do a flip. It took this much more work to do two flips. And they forget that once you get to a point where you can hire people, you can pull yourself out of the equation and it might take half the work to do twice as much, which is just awesome. Four hour work week, right? That's, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. <laughs> <clears throat> have people don't no, it, you're absolutely right and you know and, and that's that's the goal right i mean we, we all we all want to be able to retire someday right i, I don't want to work till i'm 90 that, that would that would suck you know uh so so that's the goal is just to to, to get to some point where i where i can do that or, or i can have the time to uh to go and travel and to and, and to take my take my daughters to their little sporting trips or you know and, and do all that stuff with them so that you know, 20 years down the road, they're not saying, man, dad just, dad just worked nonstop, you know, and I don't want to do that. I want to be around and, and enjoy life. I think that's, that's kind of what everybody wants anyway, you know. I was going to ask you because you transitioned from the Air Force into the Air National Guard, and I'm sure some people on the show have heard me mention it, but that's kind of my, my plan at this point. I'm at 11 years as of <laughs> Sunday, which is not when you're supposed to get out of the military. You're supposed to just say, I'm here, I'm stuck. 20 um, years, right? I'm going to retire. Yeah. And so 
My contract ends October 10th, 2021. So I will be at 13 years and two months or whatever, some change somewhere in there. And I'm looking at going in the reserves because really a lot of the same reasons you said, um, I want time. Like I'll, the big one for me is controlling my time as I, as I start to scale and grow everything that I'm doing online and as well as the real estate, the military is just not that the military is getting in the way. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I love the military, but it, you know, I'm, I'm starting to miss opportunities that potentially be very lucrative and, and very time freeing. So anyway, I would love to hear your thoughts on, uh, the transition and any anything that you think would be useful information to someone who may be at that point where they're debating one way or the other in life. Sure. So, uh, like I said, I'm in the Air National Guard and I work out at uh, at Tyndall Air Force Base. Um, and and that decision to me, I'm, I'm a part time guy, uh, drill status guardsman. So I work. You know, I'm the the weekend warrior. You know, one week one week in a month, two weeks a year. Um, but uh, where was I going? So, so that, that was a no-brainer for me uh, because, uh, you know, I'm getting out. There, there's a ton of uncertainty. I'm starting a brand new business. You know, I'm spending all this money, and I'm not going to see any of it until, until I, you know, complete this project and, you know, get all that money back. So, so like I said, no-brainer for me. Um, you know, I work uh, – I, I – I made a deal with the unit. I, I really work uh, basically four days every two months is when I come out here. Um, and, and what that gives me is, uh, is, is a little bit of security, right? So, um, so I'm out here, I, I get a little bit of an income. It's not much because I'm only working two days, right? But uh, I get a little bit of income. And, and on top of that, I only pay $200, 200 something dollars for, uh, for that healthcare, you know, and, and that to me is, is worth coming out here for two days a month, you know, and, and it's, and it's more on my terms, you know, active duty, it's, you were going to do this, you were going to go over here and you're going to, um, you're going to wait, you're, you know, it's very structured, right? Uh, but with the National Guard, uh, the reserves the same way, it's, 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 it's much, much more on, on your terms. Uh, so, uh, you know, guys, guys, uh, so you being on active duty, you have to move every three or four years, right? I assume I'm, I'm not too familiar with the Marines, but uh, yeah, that's how it was for us. You know, every three years we're we're up and we're gone, we're moving, but it's not uncommon for guys to stay in the guard a guard unit for uh, for 15 or 20 years. In fact, I just met a guy. He just he just came into my unit, but he was with the same unit for 28 years uh, before he came out, and, and and that to me is 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 awesome. You know. Um, I mean, it's all about what kind of lifestyle you want to live, of course, you know, but, uh, uh, but I was getting to the point, you know, where I, I, I kind of want my kids to stay at one place so they can kind of grow up in the same school, same friends, all that. And, and, and that's about where I was, uh, in, in my life. And, and so, like I said, it was, it, it, it made sense to me, uh, to, to, uh, to join the national guard. And the other thing it helps out, uh, that where that could help out is, you know, if, if the market does tank or if, if I totally jack up my business or something like that, I've got a backup plan. You know, I can always come to you and say, Hey, um, let me pick up some orders for, for two or three months, you know, while, um, uh, while, while things are going bad back home or something, you know, and that way, that way I'm getting paid still, you know, and, and it's a great job. And, um, and, <laughs> It, 
it, it really helps out. It really helped me out and, and, and I love it. And, and, and just to have that in my hip pocket, it just makes me really, really comfortable um, that, that, that I've done it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The healthcare, the security, the fact that, you know, and I haven't decided yet fully if I'm going to do Marine Corps reserves or look into one of the other reserve services. Uh, I love the Marine Corps. So there's a huge pride piece there, but then there's other options for, uh, you know, I could be a helicopter pilot in the army without going to OCS. They do the warrant officer pilot. That could be fun. So anyway, the options are all out there, but I did some math the other day and aside from the healthcare, which is huge, depending on how high up the chart you make it, it's really not much of a difference in pension. If you drop out of active duty at like 10 to 15 years, I, for me, if I get promoted two, maybe three more times, I can only get promoted three more times unless I commission. Uh, I mean, I was looking at five to $800 a month less, which is not that significant. Now, granted, I don't see my pension for 20 years later. Um, so that's the significant piece. But you know, if you plan on working till you're 55 or 60, anyway, not getting your pension till you're, 59 and a half or 60, depending on deployments is not that big a deal. So anyway, I don't know. I, I, I realized like I had no idea. And so I started looking into reservists and pension stuff that like, Oh, it's actually still a pretty good deal. No, it, it, you're absolutely right. And uh, you hit the nail on the head there too, that uh, you don't get it until you're 62 or 63 or something. But, uh, um, but there are options in the reserves and the guard to, if, if you are, uh, uh, if you're a full-time dude, then, then you can still, then you're still getting time, uh, towards, uh, towards an active duty retirement. And there are a bunch of guys in my unit that do that, um, that, that they, you know, they come in as a drill status guardman, guardsman and they, uh, you know, they, they throw their name out there to get, get themselves known a little bit, you know, um, let the commanders know who they are so that when a full-time job does open up and if that's what you want to do, that you can, you can put yourself in for that position. Once you're in that position, then you're getting time back towards, uh, towards that normal active duty retirement, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. That's actually really cool. So if you did that and you ended up being active status, if you hit, so even if you're a reservist by trade and you get activated enough to hit the full 20 years, does it become an active duty pension or does it still the 60 year so, so if you, uh, you'd have to make up that time you missed. Right. And so, so if you say you missed like two years in the middle, you'd have to, you'd have to add that two years on, uh, as, uh, as a full-time, uh, reservist, um, That's AGR, active guard reserve is what it's called. But, uh, but you're still getting time towards that normal retirement. As soon as you hit that 20 or, or whenever you decide to, to say uncle and quit, um, then, then you'd be getting that, uh, that retirement. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So one of the reasons I looked at, or I like the idea of the Marine Reserves is that I was a recruiter and the way that our recruiting works, they are, they're always interested in, we call them EAD, Extended Active Duty, and they'll take reservists and put them on recruiting duty for, it's like a, well, it's not two-year orders. It's really, it's, hey, you're on recruiting duty and if you are successful, we'll make you a career recruiter and you'll go full active duty until retirement. And if you're not successful, then you can just basically turn it into a superior, yeah, back into the reserves. Um, and I've seen both sides of the spectrum. And so that's kind of like my, well, you know, if I do the reserves and then I'm like, oh man, I really do miss this crap. And this was a mistake. There's a, there's an option. Uh, although I'd really prefer to just burn the ships and go for it. So I'm going to not tell myself yeah. there's an option at first. <clears throat> 
well, you know what? The military's hurting right now. You know, they're, they're manning shortfalls all over the place. So if, if you were to, to, to go to the reserves or the guard, there, there are plenty of opportunities out there to, for, for you to go back uh, if, if you needed to. There are routes uh, available for you to do that. You mean, you mean the world providing medication as solutions for everything and legalizing marijuana is hurting recruiting? <laughs> what? No, anyway, sorry, we're not going to get into all that. There's some crazy stuff that I saw in recruiting. It's only getting better as rules are getting I bet. crazier. Uh, man, it's weird. Well, it was, a hard job in Colorado, please. <laughs> yeah, well, it, that's what's crazy about it is all those rules still apply, right, for DOD. Yeah. Like, eventually, the military is either going to have to bend its rules, because what happens once it's federally legalized, right? They can't just say, oh, you're not allowed to smoke pot in the military. Well, maybe they can, but they can't say you're not allowed to have ever smoked pot before or you require a drug waiver because what? It's totally legal. So it's, that's kind of a weird spot some of my buddies are in with recruiting right now is like, well, we're not allowed to, like, these are all still drug waivers, but they're not doing anything illegal. So <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it's a weird spot. We'll have to see. The military's going to have to adapt a little bit on some of that stuff, I think, as it becomes more <clears throat> provident. Sure. I don't think that was the right word, but you know what I mean. Common. There we go. We'll use a simple word. Common. There we go. Bring them right now. <laughs> All right. So let's. Uh, I got a couple questions here that I always like to ask, and uh, I know it's well, it's much later for you than it is for me, but uh, it's got to be getting past both of our bedtimes. I'm getting old. So uh, <laughs> if uh, if an E1, E2, you know, an 18, 19 year old, for those of you who somehow are listening to a military podcast and don't know what an E1, E2 is. Uh, walked up to you asking for advice. You only had a few minutes to give it to him. What do you think you'd tell them? Uh, so, so you said one thing, but, uh, but, but I have two, and then they kind of piggyback off each other. But uh, the first thing, <laughs> well, let me think here. No, 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 no. Um, the first thing, don't be afraid to take risks, all right? Um, that doesn't mean to, to do whatever you want. It, it, it means to, to, to go out there, do some research, and, and to and – to, to actually put your foot out there and, and, and do what you want to do. Um, the, the second thing is, is to don't ever get too comfortable. And, and that's a quote that uh, one of my old bosses told me a long time ago. And, uh, and, and to be honest, it took me a few years to even know what, what he was talking about. I'm like, what do you want? What do you mean not get comfortable? That's, isn't that the goal? We want, we want to get comfortable, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, basically don't get too comfortable. Um, and so I'm, I'm reading a book right now. You've probably heard of it. It's called uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... It's on you know. my shelf up there somewhere. <laughs> Big orange book. It's, it's super cool. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm listening to it, actually. I cheat. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I listen to Audible but, mostly. But it's fun. It, you know, it's a, it's a fun read. The, the, you know, the, the author did pretty well with that book. But uh, we got to this part, and he, he calls it the... Um, uh, he calls it Manson's law of avoidance. I don't know if you remember that from that part of the book, but uh, he, he says the, the more something threatens your identity, the more you will avoid it. And, uh, and that, that to me kind of goes hand in hand with that. Don't ever get too comfortable piece. So basically what he's saying is, uh, you know, if, if you're comfortable, if you're living comfortable, you're, you're not putting yourself out there. You're not, you're not taking the risks. You're not, you're not making yourself better. Uh, you might not be making yourself any worse either, but, uh, but you're not, uh, you're not learning anything. And so, 
So don't ever get too comfortable to me means uh, you got to keep, keep doing stuff uh, that, that's out of your comfort zone uh, so that you can learn so that you, uh, uh, so that you can, so that you can succeed and so that you can fail. Uh, failure is, is a huge part of what we, what we do as, as human beings. You know, we go out there, we try stuff, we fail. If it doesn't work, we learn from it and we move on. Uh, so, so that, that's, that's basically what I would tell them. Don't get too comfortable. No, I like it. That's good. It's good. And it's different than, you know, some people say the same thing and then not, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, that's good though. It's very true because complacency kills as we say in the military. So, uh, all right. So what is a resource book course website, whatever that you would recommend to anybody looking to get started in real estate? So I look at that question and uh, it, if they're just getting started, um, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and, and, and one book that comes up, you're, you're smiling. The purple one behind me. Probably uh, Robert <laughs> Kiyosaki, uh, rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. So, so I read that a few years ago and as I'm reading that, 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 that was my epiphany, you know, where, where I, I'm reading it and I'm going, man, this is exactly what I'm doing with, 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 with my properties right now without even knowing it, you know? And so that book doesn't get into very, very many specifics, as you know. I, I mean, he's got a whole plethora of books out there, but, uh, but that's the one that got me started. That's the one that got me excited about, about what I'm doing and, and about um, basically how he talks about retiring, right? So, so he, he, he says to, um, it's been many years since I read this, but, uh, but getting, that, getting that income in, um, that uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ah, residual passive. Yeah, thank you. Something like that. A passive income. Yeah, getting that passive income so that uh, so that you can go and live your life and uh, and do whatever you want to do with it. So, so anyway, that, that that's the book that, that that got me started in this whole process. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, but now I'm going to ask you if you got any books that you would recommend that aren't specific to real estate, cause I don't do that enough. I'm just ones out there. Um, to be honest, all, all, all the books I'm reading right now are like code books. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to read those. <laughs> like, like, uh, like HTML, like coding type stuff or no, no, like, uh, like Florida building code. Oh yeah. That's not stuff it. Like that. and, Nobody wants to learn about RE zone, whatever for this to that actually, but that's really cool though. As you learn, as you do spec stuff, cause there's some huge opportunities in land and we don't need to dig too deep into that, but I mean, there's some chance, some opportunities where you can just flip the zoning and make a killing. Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, not that uh, it's as easy as flipping the zoning. It's but. not, I mean, you need, I mean, there's some deals out there where you need, you know, a bunch of lawyers, you know, and you need to, you just start spending some money, but the dividends are, are there. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. You can, you can definitely get creative with some of these things. I mean, the city wants to help you out cities and counties. They, they want to do just what you want to do. You know, they, they want to make the neighborhoods look nice. They want to, they, they want to make the buildings look nice. They're there to help you out. And so if you just, if you, if you go into the County and you've got an idea, uh, as long as it's all legal, that they're more than likely going to help you out. So I agree completely. All right. So before we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to add? Any, any parting advice or big ideas? 
one thing I was thinking about with this one was uh, when I was when I was separating from active duty. Um, there, there's a mandatory. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's mandated by law, but uh, it you have to go through this. It's like a boots to business or something like that program. And, and there's parts of it where you build a resume, you you start a LinkedIn profile, and then there's a part of it where where it takes your your MOS or your AFSC. Um, and it and it translate in translates it into uh, into the civilian world, right? And as I'm going through this, um, you know, mine was easy. Airline pilot. That's it. Okay, that's all I get to do. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, okay. I'm good for driving a truck. So, <laughs> um, but but there was one kid next to me. You know, and to, to be honest, I I don't know what I can't remember what his what his job was, but. But his biggest gripe was there was nothing that, that his job translated to. Like I'm looking at him like, dude, we are we are managers of people. We are managers of equipment. Um, we were super disciplined. We took some. We took a job that we learned over just the course of a few months, and we became experts at it. Um, you add a budget along with that, and and you're a project manager for for something, you know. And so 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 that that's my big thing is. It might not feel like it. It might not sound like like you're learning much in the military, but but um, but but you are. That that discipline that you're learning, that can translate to uh, to to a ton of things on the outside world, and and um, and to be honest, uh, all these outside agencies and businesses, they they love that. And so and so, don't get bogged down if you know if you think that it's not gonna whatever you're doing is not translating. Uh, it it will. Um, you just got to stay positive and, and, uh, and want to learn, uh, how to do whatever you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's funny because like, for example, uh, you know, one of my good friends is he was a recruiter with me, which probably helps with this, but I mean, he was a infantry guy. Like you talk about <laughs> not really translating very well, unless you want to get into security law enforcement. Sure. Um, and he's a like head of HR for Lowe's and he's doing very well for himself. Now part of that's recruiting, but I mean, the other part of that is the leadership that comes with being on the front lines and yeah, people just forget, they focus on the tangible, which is great and all, but that's ultimately you can learn tangible. It's the intangibles that really benefit you in the long run. That's a great way of saying it. That's awesome. And you're absolutely right. Or at least I'm hoping I'm right. Cause otherwise I'm driving a truck. <laughs> It's just I, like, I, mean, I, I say all that I could translate to logistics and stuff. I've been high enough up on the logistics realm now that I can get a good job, but I don't want to do that. So yeah, I'll get fat and have my like 70 <laughs> ounce big cola cup in one hand and doing the, what is it? The, the arm wrestling in the other hand, the old Rambo movie. <laughs> Turn the hat around like that. Go, and then you got to go over the top with the hand. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever movie that was Sylvester Stallone. That'll be me be all buff and known for Rambo, but arm wrestling. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, hey, Nick, if people wanted to reach out, uh, where, where's a good place for people to get a hold of you? So I'm on Instagram. Uh, we just we just started that, really. It's uh, uh, Coastal Flip is us, uh, my wife and I. And, uh, and, and anybody out there, if they have any questions on anything that I've talked about, uh, you can email me direct at 904eagle at gmail.com. Make sure I didn't mess that up. 904eagle. 904eagle at gmail.com. Awesome. 
Sounds good. Well, Nick, I really appreciate you joining me on this show. It was a lot of fun. I learned a little bit about spec homes. I really, you know, I knew what they were, but I hadn't really thought about uh, some of the struggles that you come into as you're building a, you know, I mean, there's just, it's just such a different world than what I've been doing for investments. So it's cool to hear a little bit about that from someone who's actually done it rather than people who just heard what spec homes were and ran the other way. Yeah. But, no, I'm glad I can come out, man. Thanks so much for having me too. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. My first one. Oh, pop the cherry. No. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I think that's a cool thing about the, the niche, right? So a lot of service member guys, like we don't, we're not there. As you get into the podcast realm, there are some guys who are, they're like podcast junkies. They just hop around, which is great. I mean, it's good marketing. It's a good strategy. You get to talk to a lot of people. Um, but I have had a lot of service members and, and veterans that, uh, I get to be the first person to ever talk to him on a podcast, which is fun because it's like, hey, no one's ever heard your story on like on, you know, through through a, a radio show in essence, which is just it's a cool it's a cool theory because I mean, I remember my first one and it was uh, wow, man, I was nervous, but uh, <laughs> it's been a good time. So I've, I've started to enjoy doing this. So I really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Dave. Talking us when it's just me over here. But, you know, they know what I mean. Yeah. Have a great night. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.